Okay. This is the Tasty Bets Pod. Follow at Tasty Bets Pod on X, Threads, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to Tasty Bets Pod on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to partake. I am your host, Dino DeCespedes, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Grant Engel. What is up, man? Feeling fantastic. Just trying to be the Chris Middleton in this newly formed big three, if I may mix sports metaphors here. Mix away. That one's a tasty one. Crazy. We might need another sidebar NBA (laughs) trade, (laughs) breaking news trade update show, but we'll talk about that one later. We are recording this Wednesday night, so plenty of time to watch, listen, and get your picks in before this weekend's action. We are joined again this week by our guy AG, who brought the absolute fucking thunder in week one. Welcome back to the show, AG. Stoked to be here, guys. Glad the uh, we could all just sit on the sidelines cheering for punt action and uh, cash in tickets before <laughs> before getting those first beers open on Sunday. Unbelievable. 107, I think, by my watch. There's already some, some money in the bank, so got to love that. As a show, pretty much riding AG's coattails, we finished up 6.3 units last week. Uh, we all hit the pats over the Jets, as well as AG's Falcons, Jets, Colts, first drive equals punt props. That was a plus 533 parlay that we all co-signed. AG, you also called Lions being the first to get to 20, which was exactly the number they hit. I'm not sure if that was on purpose, but impressive nonetheless. Shout out to our favorite kneecap biter, Dan Campbell. We also had Rams to win the race to 20 against the Bengals. Um, it's been two days and we're still waiting on one of them to get to 20. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> You can always check the Tasty Stats Google Doc if you want more details on how we did. Quick reminder to please always, always, always bet responsibly. Uh, so with that said, let's bet some NFL. Mr. Grant Engel, where do you want to get started? Let's start with at least what I think. Maybe maybe not the gambling game of the week, but it certainly feels like the game of the week. And at, at the very least, the game of the early window on Sunday. And that would be you're fighting Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills are a three-point favorite at home, from my understanding, pretty much your standard home favorite when Vegas thinks these teams are pretty pretty equal. So I'm going to pose this to you guys. I'm going to I want to take a look at a specific unit for each team and then I want us to ask ourselves the questions, what do I believe in that I've seen so far? So Miami folks may have heard scored 70 fucking points last game. Uh, they are fresh off what is the ass kicking of the season so far and will likely be the biggest ass kicking of the season over the hapless Denver Broncos. Tua Tungabayaloa looks great. He's getting the ball out quickly and his receivers are making things happen. So some of these stats are courtesy of our, of our pals over at Pro Football Reference using their stat head tool. Worth a subscription, I think. And not even if you're just trying to win money gambling or if you're just a huge nerd like like myself or uh, my fellow co-host here who just <laughs> likes to look at shit like this. So Miami leads the league in yards after catch uh, with 505 such yards in just three games, one of which was without Jalen Waddell. Tua's accuracy has just been incredible. I feel like it's making their passing game look nearly unstoppable. The Dolphins lead the league in air yards per completion uh, with 7.9. So if you're completing passes down the field with 7.9 air yards, and then your receivers are averaging 6.8 yards per completion. I do not claim to be the math guy uh, on this podcast, but that seems good. Somewhere around that 15 yards per completion, counting yards after the catch, sounds like something you want to go for. So, you know, the Dolphins offense, it looks fucking great. 70-point game, you know, treating it as an outlier. I think the offense still looks awesome. Not to mention Mike McDaniel and his San Francisco 49ers style running game. That is perfect for Raheem Mostert, which makes sense considering he used to play there. And Devon Achan just finding a lot of space to just rack up yards and just pretty much demoralize the defense in between to a picking picking a opponents apart. So let's think about this, though. The Dolphins have played the Chargers defense, which despite looking awesome on paper, is kind of less so in real life. And they played the Patriots. And the Patriots, who have a good defense, they held Miami to 24 points. And then, of course, we go back to the 70-point ass-whipping. But the Broncos have a defense, a quarterback, and a coach all trending in the wrong direction. So that's kind of where my that's kind of where my mind is for Miami, thinking about their offense. Now, while the Bills offense is no slouch, they are number two in points scored on the young season with 91, only 40 behind Miami. <laughs> but the but the Bills defense has raised a lot of eyebrows so far. They're number two in in total yards allowed. They're number one in forced turnovers. And 
I think in an under a little bit of an underrated stat, the Bills have committed the fewest accepted defensive penalties in the league, with only six for a measly 55 yards across those three games. So you're not getting any freebies against the Bills. They're physical. They're playing well. However, the Bills have faced the following offenses. I think it was four snaps of Aaron Rodgers, uh, five if you count his Achilles. Uh, then they get Zach Wilson and the Jets uh, in that same game. Then they get the Jimmy G-led Raiders, and then they get the fighting Sam Howells of Washington, D.C. So, yeah, the Bills' defense looks like a juggernaut so far, but maybe we need to consider who they're playing. Let me ask, considering all of these things, do we expect the Dolphins' offense to go to Buffalo and look like world beaters, or do we expect the Bills' defense to hold them at bay? Or am I looking at these two sides and totally missing the picture? This is where I need some help from you guys. AG, what do you think? I've got all kinds of interesting stats about this game, and and I'm in a little bit of a cyclone of, of where I land, but let me throw some, some, some more numbers to the equation here and see if we can kind of solve this Rubik's Cube together. So you mentioned Tua's stats. If I told you that if you looked at his stats through the first three games last year, and he had one fewer completion, the same number of touchdowns, the same number of interceptions. With all of the negative hype that came out of last year around Tua, we kind of forget that he started off the exact same way. His stats are almost identical to what they are this year. The yards are a little bit higher because those big plays have been really explosive. But like, I think Tua is the MVP through the first three weeks. Yeah, agreed. The Bills have played nobody, but they're the only team in the NFL that hasn't given up 20 points yet this season penalties matter i think that's a great pull that they're the lowest penalized team they've got veterans they know how to play ball i don't know where waddle stands i lean that it seems like he's deeper in the concussion protocol than we would have thought and there's a lot of film and a lot of plays for the that bill's locker room to go look at i feel like this is the classic vegas trap game in that like oh well you watched last week so obviously they're going to come out and just nail all of this. And we watched what happened to Dallas last week against a very underrated tanking Cardinals team that doesn't look to be tanking very well. Uh, they, they, look, they look pretty legit bringing a guy off the street to, to come play quarterback. The Dolphins are super good. They could be the outlier. They could be the team that has the great coach that is like on his rise. So with that, I'll kind of kick it back to you, Dino. I'm curious where your your head is. This is a tough one. There's a lot of really good players on the field. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, Grant, you mentioned this might be the game of the week or the one o'clock slate. It might be the game of the year so far, just in terms of like the firepower. And I think of the great players that you mentioned are going to be on the field. To me, Tyreek is on a different level from anybody else that will be playing in that game. You know, I think watching him, he probably needs to be in that generational wide receiver conversation with like Rice, Moss, T.O., Fitzgerald, Megatron, Tyreek, you know, like just in terms of the impact that he has on the game Um, and watching what the Dolphins did last week, it still might feel like McDaniels only kind of scratching the offensive surface because what they were doing against Denver just kept working and then they just kept doing it. It wasn't a kitchen sink game. It was just like they had one, like a couple of different moves that yeah. just kept cashing like every time they did it. And it was a lot of like pre-snap motion and then like post-snap manufacturing of space that wasn't there and just felt like everybody was open all the time. I mean, I think there was one play in particular where there was a fake handoff to like a jet sweep for A-chain where he was sprinting out right. Tua does a spin move and then hands it to Mostert running left. And he just like walks into the end zone for like a four or five year. And I'm just yeah. like, what do you even do with, the, you know, and you have like yeah. Tyreek running the other way. And it's just like your, your head is spinning as a defense, you know, and then you have like Mostert logging and Al Bundy four touchdowns in a single game, you know, three yeah, rushing, yeah. one receiving a chain, 11 yards per carry 200 plus running. I mean, these are like high school numbers that they're putting up quick sidebar. I think if you're the Broncos, I think you have to call the jets and say, okay, Russell Wilson, we'll take a six rounder, we'll take a seventh rounder, we'll take a couple of Shaq Stack burgers, just whatever, whatever you want to give us. <laughs> um, but the Bills on the other side, you mentioned like their sort of soft competition. And I think their most impressive unit is probably the secondary. You know, a lot of experience, 
big game players, you know, a lot of discipline. So I think the matchup's going to be really interesting. But the thing that kind of is tipping me in Miami's favor, I just think that their talent is even a level above where the Buffalo secondary is. And I also think that their offense is so good. There's no lead big enough where you're going to feel like this game's over. You know, even if Mm. Buffalo's up 35 to 20 or 35 to 17 in the fourth quarter, you're still going to be like, well, you know, I mean, we're still all going to be watching that game. It's Tua, it's Tyreek, you know, it's those backs, it's that offense. Um, It just seems to be a perfect melding of the scheme, which is, you know, epitomized by McDaniel, the talent, you know, which is Tyreek, and then the execution, which is like Tua. You know, he's just putting the ball like right on the money. These aren't very hard throws. They're not like, you know, big time NFL throws, but he's just doing them perfectly, you know, and like everybody's catching it in perfect stride. That's where the like the yak comes in and the space is just like a a byproduct of the superior scheme that they're able to put together. So my lean right now is probably Dolphins, even though it does have like sucker bet written all over it. I think they might be the outlier. And I just can't get the idea out of my head that they're just going to be in any they're they're going to be in every single game this season. The also the interesting piece here is you've got juice. It, like I I think this is one of those games where it's like do you just take the money line and like lean into the equity or do you want that insurance policy of if you can find it, it do you have to buy it up to three? I saw it at two and a half last I saw it. How how are you thinking through that, Dino? I put in three picks earlier today. I did grab the three. That's going to be a single unit for me. Your note on the money line, you know, that one rung true with me as well. That one was at plus 128 when I grabbed it and I put in half a unit for that. So I've got the money line and I'm taking the three points. Now, I thought through this scenario. Bills jump out ahead. You know, two Dolphins are playing catch up. Looking at the over 53 and a half, you know, obviously like these two offenses are pretty explosive. So took a little peek at the Dolphins money line, parlayed with the over, which was 53 and a half. And I parlayed both of these at plus 305. How's that for an omen? My Miami Dolphins, 305. Let me get it. Quarter unit for your guy. As soon as I I ran that calculation, I saw that number come up. I'm like, okay, well, now I have to take this, obviously. Little tingles are speaking to you. There you go. Yeah, tingles all over. Uh, So that's where I landed. Grant, where did you did you have a pick on this one? I can't imagine how proud Pitbull must be that that parlay is plus three hundred five. Um, I know I understand he's Mister Worldwide now, but come on, Mister three hundred five also appreciates that. Man, I I don't know if I'm just pessimistic because I do have a soft spot for the Dolphins that we've discussed previously. Just like with these two good teams, doesn't it make sense? Like they'll probably split the season series, right? Like I think that's typically how this goes a lot of times. And if the Bills were going to win one, I think they would probably win their home game. And then also, it's just the perfect time for the Bills to win a game and then the mainstream media to re-anoint Josh Allen as Brett Favre 2.0 and everybody talking about, is he as good as Mahomes? And then we have to sit through that for another couple weeks or whatever. So I actually think, and now that I'm looking, I do see that I am able to get those Buffalo Bills at minus two and a half. And I like that more than minus three, obviously. It's an important number. So I think I think I'm gonna live with my lean, uh, even though I don't I won't love to see it happen. I, I think I'm gonna take Bills minus two and a half at home. I mean, I can definitely see it, and I think this just speaks to how difficult this game is to kind of uh, you know predict. One quick note about Miami playing in Buffalo. It's looking like it's gonna be sunny, 70 mm-hmm. degrees, clear skies for that 1 p.m. kickoff. So not the worst time to have Buffalo on the schedule. I'll say what's interesting about Buffalo, though, when they played in the crappy weather in the playoffs last year, Buffalo looked like they were in more trouble than their opponents. And like with Josh Allen's big arm and his propensity to just chuck it down the field, you would probably prefer to play in, in nicer weather. Uh, although you don't want it to be too hot, because I also remember these same Buffalo Bills complaining about how their bench wasn't in the shade when they played in Miami. I don't know if you guys remember that story. They're like, that's not fair. It's too sunny in Florida. It was like, okay, guys, like, I don't know. Maybe put up some tents or something. I don't know. But uh, I think the weather makes sense, but I'm not even sure the Bills are like a cold weather team, as as strange as that sounds. Yeah, I think you're right about that. AG. I've got some props to kind of align here that I'll bring I'll bring to the attention. And I think in terms of just the, the straight game, for me, this is a hedge game. 
these are the type of games that I love to bet live. And I think you can make a ton of money in terms of middling. And so mm-hmm. I would probably take a strategy of something like a half unit on the money line on the Dolphins coming out of the gate and then just hope that the Dolphins score first and that live line might flip immediately to the other side. And then there's a good chance then you can get Bills comparable plus 125. And then I'm just riding basically plus 125 on both sides and calling it a hedge game, booking a win early, early on. Or if the Bills come out and score first, then I go the opposite way where it's like, cool, maybe I can get the Dolphins like plus six, six and a half, seven at, at minus 110. And then feel way more comfortable about that line. So so this is a game where I want a little bit of money on the underdog because the juice, the equity's there, and then kind of riding it where it goes. The bet that stood out to me in this game that felt like what was the most likely thing to happen at minus 120 is Josh Allen throws an interception. Mm-hmm. Over 0.5 interceptions for Josh Allen is, is in at 120 right now at minus 120. If the Bills are down, he's going to force the ball in there at some point especially if it's deep in the fourth quarter and they're down multiple scores. He's a liability to throw an interception early in the game just because he's trying to like establish a whole bunch and they're trying to get digs fed. And Josh just hasn't been the most accurate he's ever been in his career. I feel pretty good about that as a prop. This is a polarizing kind of over-under game at 53. There's two narratives that totally make sense, that the defenses are going to come out, be ready to play, and we're going to see some field goals early on, and this game stays kind of on the underside. So there's two bets I'm going to throw at you guys with some some solid equity. So both teams score 20-plus, no, plus 190. So if you just are calling that defensive showdown and you want better juice than just betting the under, that's an interesting one. The flip side is if you do both score 25 plus, plus 140. So if you think it's going to be a total barn burner and you expect like a 31-27, there's going to be some field goals, but they're scoring two out of every three possessions. Those are some interesting ones that I kind of had on my sheet. And then I'm putting a full unit on Josh to, to throw a pick at some point in this game. Just too many tip balls, too many good DBs for the Dolphins. And I think there's a lot of pressure this is a division game. I mean, this is this is the first big game of the year that actually has consequence. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see interceptions on both sides. Those are all really, really good. I have one I'm going to jump on. Grant, any of those give you the tingles? Yeah, let me co-sign Allen throwing a pick. I mean, what? He leads quarterbacks in like just total turnovers over the last like four years. Like he's going to give the ball away. Win, win or lose, he'll give it away once. Yeah. I can see a ball getting batted. And I think... The the other one that I, I really liked more than the both teams to score over 20 equals no, both to score 25 plus. This has like a shootout, kind of like that Dolphins Chargers game vibes written all over it. If either team jumps out ahead by 10 or 14, the other quarterback's going to start chucking. Again, I think just McDaniel's just going to have stuff for that Bills defense. And I think we're also treading on, you know, some reputational stuff where people are like, all right, well, Bill's defense, oh, they're tough. And, oh, Dolphins, they've got some pass rushers. And so I think there could be some extra value on both to score 25 plus. 25 is just, just such a big number, but this could just be one of those games, a lot like the Super Bowl as well, where it's just back and forth and those guys are so good. And like we saw last week in the Broncos game, once there is a two possession game when you're living in overland garbage points become your friend and like yeah there could totally be a world where someone they get a late a late touchdown to lose 31 27 scoring in the last minute to like so the score feels a lot closer than uh like someone's backdoor over hits and it also hits your backdoor 25 full side so yeah, I, I could totally I could, see that happening what was the number on that one plus 140 plus 140 so I think I'm going to end up laying off that one. I was hoping it was a little like a, just a smidge higher. 25 is just a big number and, you know, yeah. I don't know, a sprained ankle or something. And now it's out the window just because we're really betting on those two quarterbacks going back and forth. I like your thoughts there. I, I will say the if you think that one of the defenses shows up and holds the other team under 20 at plus 190, I think there's some real like I think that's the I think that's the right land. I think if if you on the opposite, we're, we're getting almost two to one over 25 i think you'd be leaning into it a lot harder but i think that's a wise a wise place to be yeah definitely better value on that one 
All right, so I'm going to do a quick recap on this one. So I am taking the Dolphins plus three single unit. I'm also doing a half unit on the Dolphins money line plus 128 and another half unit on the Dolphins money line plus the over 53 and a half. That is my plus 305 parlay, my Pitbull parlay of the week. Uh, Grant, you're taking Bills minus two and a half. And AG, you are taking Josh Allen to throw a pick minus 120, one unit for you, and then Grant full unit cosine. That's right. Yeah, and I'm going to ride a half unit on that money line with you, Dino, but I'm planning to hedge. That's my live betting game of the week. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to throw a whole bunch of bets in the first and second quarter and see if I can pick up on a trend. Love it. And I think, you know, you were mentioning even if the Bills go up and score, you know, that plus 128 might move to like plus 175 or plus 180 for the Dolphins. You might, depending on how things look, if it was fluky or something, you might be like, oh, maybe I... I'd probably take the points. I mean, I think I, if they come out and score a touchdown, I think the Dolphins jump to a plus seven, set plus seven and a half, plus eight. And like... Yeah, if there's eight minutes left in the first quarter and I get the Dolphins plus eight before they've gotten the ball, like I think the money line's a sick backdoor. Like maybe I can double dip. But when I'm hedging, I want to create those middles where it's like if you can get some really big windows of auto win, that can be a really, really fun ride. Yeah. No, excellent call out. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. So sure. AG, as a as a professional gambler, a guy who who looks at betting uh, through that kind of lens. Uh, I, I found a piece of information that I found interesting uh, from our pals over at the Action Network. And so the Bills at minus two and a half, they're getting 47% of the bets for 78% of the money, according to Action Network's uh, tracking. So this seems to indicate uh, to a square better like myself, this indicates that people who are betting more money, who I would assume are professional gamblers, are putting their money on the Bills. How much stock? do you put in those kind of numbers? Not a lot. It's so random. I would say if there were, if it was a team that had a weaker fandom, I would actually put more stock into it. Or if it was like a Super Bowl where it's the only game that everyone's betting, yeah. but like betting's legal up in the Northeast, betting's legal in Florida. <laughs> the Bills are a way more passionate fan base than the Dolphins. And like, I think that there's a lot of folks out there that are just like, that's going to be a really fun game to watch. There's easier games for me to go pick. I'm not a fan of either of those teams. I don't have an inside scoop especially with some key injuries kind of still pending. I personally don't put a lot of stock into it, but it is data and it's really important that we all use data to, to make our decisions. So that's good to know. We are going to scoot ahead to the next game. We've got New England Patriots one and two at the two and one Dallas Cowboys. So we talked a little bit about the Cowboys at Arizona last week. Um, so they had three offensive linemen out in that game. All three still listed as questionable this week, including Tyron Smith. I don't know. Against the Cardinals, Dallas defense looked super suspect. Um, I think they were over-aggressive trying to get pressure on Dobbs, which got them burned a couple times and made Dobbs look like, I don't know, like a real quarterback uh, in some stretches. So he went 17 for 21, only 189 yards, but no turnovers. And the Cardinals scored on their first five possessions. So I think it looked kind of cool just getting all the pressure and you know, having Micah Parsons, you know, like going full full bore at the quarterback. But we might be looking at a team that, again, is like maybe one of these reputational defenses and maybe more of a big play defense. So I mentioned Micah Parsons. Trayvon Diggs, our other big play defender, now pretty much out for the season. Um, so that really left them pretty weak. That vaunted Cowboys D gave up 50 yards rushing to three different Cardinals. So James Conner had 98, Dobbs had 55, Rondale Moore 54. On the other side, Dak, 24th in the NFL in yards per attempt at only 6.3 yards, 19th in total yards, only three touchdowns, one interception in three games. And in that game specifically, they had nothing in the red zone, like zero. Dak's only red zone TD was a screen pass that Rico Dowdo caught at the 18-yard line. And then on another trip inside the 20, down 12, three minutes left, Dak gets picked off in the end zone, game over. Um, so that was something I definitely took note of. Again, on the other side, Zeke looked refreshed. So maybe we're going to talk about rolling over you know, some of that equity from last week. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, looked okay. Shades of modern-day Chad Pennington for me. Um, and I think if Dallas is going to sell out to pressure Mac... I think the Pats might have some game planning stuff where they're able to cook them with like screens, quick hitters, some floaters over the top, and where the Pats' weakness at wide receiver isn't necessarily like a game wrecker for them, just because that Dallas secondary is 
very gettable based on what we saw last week. Pats are trotting out a rookie kicker, Chad Ryland. So he went two for four against the Jets. He had misses from 57 and 48. I think on defense, the Pats probably like the Gonzalez on that CeeDee Lamb matchup. I think CeeDee Lamb's probably their only real game breaker, like big play game breaker. And when you have a team that's ineffective in the red zone, you're kind of counting on those big plays. You know, maybe Pollard breaking one or CeeDee Lamb going over the top. And I think Gonzalez is a good sort of antidote for for that. Um, looking at the numbers, over-unders 43 and a half. And the Cowboys are six and a half point favorites, last I saw, over the Pats. Grant, what do you think about this one in terms of like what you're expecting? So I think you made some interesting points. I mean, with some Josh Dobbs slander sprinkled in there, don't forget about Rocky Top now. Tennessee can produce some good players, but um, <laughs> that might be some pre-draft bias uh, years ago where I was like, oh, no, he might be okay. He was okay. <laughs> he was all right, yeah, last week for sure. Um, I think this always goes back to, like you talk about Arizona was kind of able to do some things to kind of like nullify uh, Micah Parsons' effect on the game. And it really goes back to the one thing that I always worry about when Mike McCarthy's your head coach and he has the decisions to hire the people around him. Uh, don't think his track record is that great. Yes, I remember he won one Super Bowl with prime Aaron Rodgers. Good job. That's great. Mike polished the Super Bowl ring. I think he's one of the five or eight worst coaches in the league. His time man- his clock management is abysmal. I feel like his team doesn't make a ton of adjustments uh, very quickly. But with all of that said, and maybe I just listed all the reasons why I should be afraid of betting this game. I just got to think Micah Parsons and those other guys are just licking their chops looking at Mac Jones. Alabama Mac, uh, McCorkle Jones, who has led the Patriots offense to score a rousing 20 points, 17 points, and 15 points in their three games this season. I don't love laying six and a half uh, after that dud to the Cardinals. But I think the Cowboys did show in their first two games of the season that they do have an ability to absolutely destroy inferior teams. Obviously, the injury to Trayvon Diggs is pretty devastating. I also think there's like a mental thing. Like it sucks that it happens in practice to have like a season ender there. It's just like, God, it's so gutting. But as Micah Parsons said on his podcast, He's looking for the Cowboys to, quote, get their redemption this week. And he was talking, and I saw some of the clips floating around Twitter. Micah Parsons was talking really casually. Uh, I just don't think he's very afraid of McCorkle Jones and the Patriots offense. So I think, give me the boys, minus six and a half. I think they get their get back. This is largely, I'm just going to ride the I don't believe in Mac Jones train. Please, AG, tell me why I'm short-sighted and wrong. I think the name we haven't brought up that that helps make that point, and I think this is definitely a Dallas defense wins this week, is we also haven't talked about Stephon Gilmore Mm. at all being back in the mix. I think things on the other side we got to keep an eye out is Zeke is back in the Lone Star State. And we didn't get paid last week with Zeke, but he did get was the hot hand, and he did execute well and he did have some juice and some energy running over a rainy jets day so yeah i I would say i do expect the cowboys to bounce back i watched that game cd lamb got a lot of flack this week on dallas radio and just kind of all over the media for just the moment contact was made him expecting he was going to get flagged and just giving up on plays and so i I would expect that he he's going to be fighting a little bit harder inside the 10 Otherwise, that that Cowboys red zone offense, I mean, it just looks so feeble. And yeah, those offensive linemen, the Cowboys want to be a team that is going to run for 200 yards a a week. And they did have some of those guys dressed last week. So I think they were pretty close to playing. But like that run offense has to be doing something. And the red zone offense has to be doing something. The Cowboys honestly should have gotten blown out by even more by the Cardinals. But the Patriots don't have a quarterback that's going to run for 55 yards. I, I think that the DBs and the linebackers are going to be able to play a lot of that underneath stuff. I definitely think if I'm taking Dallas, I'm buying the half point to make it a six because I could totally mm-hmm. see this being a 2014 game. I expect way more field goals than I do touchdowns out of this one, but it's hard for me to believe that just the talent on Dallas is just so much better. To Dino, your point, you got CeeDee Lamb going up against a rookie. Now Gonzalez looks great. Three NFL starts. Yeah. I mean, I think... It's not just CeeDee Lamb. So CeeDee Lamb, I think he had a good game. I was surprised to hear that he, he caught flack because 
he was like pretty much their only dangerous player. I mean, when Gallup um, and their other receiver that I'm blanking on Cooks, Cooks, yeah, they were incredibly covered. <laughs> like you know, yeah. CD Lamb actually had some space, which must have been nice for Dak to see. But I think he's probably the only place that Dak can go, and he's been obviously pretty un- underwhelming this year. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up the run game. Tony Pollard leading the league in rushing attempts this year, 62 total, and a pretty solid 4.3 yards per carry. So they definitely want to run the ball. And I think New England on the other side, for similar reasons, you know, maybe to take the ball out of Mac Jones' hands, also probably wants to run the ball. So the number that I was looking at, and you also threw out 20 to 14 as a total, the over-under here is 43 and a half. And I think combining what I think might happen, so 2014 would check off both of my boxes that I'm looking at for a little micro parlay, you know, where I'm taking the Pats plus six and a half and the under 43 and a half. So I think when you combine the shaky Pats kicker, who's a rookie, missed two last week, one that was makeable, one that was, you know, excusable, we'll say. Dallas's, you know, ineffectiveness in the red zone. And I think both of these teams propensity to want to get the running game going. I think those are all really good, um, ingredients for a potential under so now if the game does go under i'm expecting probably a close game i think defensively i could see you know mike mccarthy and that staff over indexing on or like okay we got michael parsons we got to kind of unleash him and belichick being like okay yeah obviously like you know i know exactly what i'm going to do about that and then i can kind of also sneaky see you know zeke maybe not getting that many carries because probably the chess matches you know, McCarthy's probably thinking, okay, this might be a big Zeke, Zeke game, and they're watching a bunch of Zeke film, and Belichick's just got something different for them this week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing chess at that level. So I think all those support the pick that I'm going to end up making here. So I'm going to take the Pats plus six and a half full unit for me. And then I'm also going to parlay, like I mentioned, the Pats plus six and a half under 43 and a half. That one is plus 237. I'm going to go with that one quarter unit. I love it. And I mean, I th- if you even think about it, Bill Belichick might be playing chess while Mike McCarthy is eating a checker. Like, I mean, this is a <laughs> this is a coaching mismatch to say the least. So I know I am concerned about that. And um, AG, I'm glad you you brought up like Mac Jones isn't going to run for 55 yards on the Dallas defense. He will run for eight and slide and attempt to kick a defender in the testicles, though. So uh, I'm I gotta find that prop bet somewhere i'm not sure where to find that one but you guys are swaying me a little bit because i'm terrified of the the belichick mccarthy matchup but i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to my guns full unit minus six and a half for the boys at home just you're you're better you're better than the patriots you kind of got embarrassed last week you're supposed to be a contender you can't lose or even cut like cut it close to the Cardinals and then the Patriots, if you're like a real contender in the NFC. Yeah. I mean, last week, I think I saw was like the fourth or fifth biggest Vegas upset in like regular season history. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I I will say, I definitely feel like this game is field goals. And so I'm going to, I'm going to come in with, with my prop on this one of six is just an awkwardly big number for me in a, in a team that like, yeah, the offensive line being a big question mark and just the leadership out of the quarterback and the head coach for the Cowboys to bounce back after an embarrassing loss. I just I think Dan Quinn is going to have his defense ready to go and they had they had a tough week in practice, but like the the prop that I like is I I've got Brandon Aubrey who's Dallas's kicker over one and a half field goals minus 110. I think I I think I like that one a lot. It kind of goes back to the what's the thing that I expect to happen in the game? I can't see a world where the Cowboys don't kick a field goal in the first half. I just feel like Bill and that defense are going to make a stop with the red zone issues and just the Cowboys being the Cowboys. I just don't see Dak having a perfect game in the red zone and just getting touchdown, 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 touchdown. So I love Dallas kicker Aubrey to get two field goals, two plus field goals at minus 110. And then I think if our big tight end for the Pats last week goes down at the one yard line. Like it looked like he almost did. Zeke is rumbling it in there. And I, I'm just going to ride. I'm going to ride Zeke until he gets that pay dirt. I'm going to up my, my unit a little bit to, to three quarters. And at plus two sixty, I'm waiting for a pass interference or, or that ball, that guy getting tackled inside the two for Zeke to do it. It seems perfect. That it would happen against Dallas. 
I'm riding Zeke until he, he gets that pay dirt, even if it takes me all season. <laughs> I like it. a little low-key chupacabra action on yeah. Zeke. I'm going to jump on that Brandon Aubrey over one and a half field goals, and I'll tell you why. I don't see Dallas playing catch-up in this game. So I think they'll gladly take the field goals and just be like, hey, if we're up 9 nothing with five minutes left in, in the first half, that's not the worst thing in the world. I think we feel we feel pretty okay about that. So I'm going to ride along with. Yep, same here. I'm co-signing that one. And then in the spirit, uh, after you you gave us the lesson last week, AG, on kind of uh, buying the equity and thinking of over the course of many plays, if you think something's going to happen, in this case, Zeke scoring, I'm rolling with you, man. Uh, riding up to the three quarters of a unit, Zeke to score. Sweet. Double chupacabra. I'm going to sit the Zeke one out just because I think – Line's a little lower than it was last week, and I think a lot of I think a lot of people are betting down the Zeke to score because it's Dallas, and they're like, oh, you know. So I'm going to try to be a little slick about it, take a week off, and then maybe come back next week. Maybe score or no score. We'll see how he looks because definitely his best game in a Pats uniform. Rule number one of investing: you never time the market. Just put your money in there and let it let it work. <laughs> well, luckily this is podcasting, not investing. <laughs> But we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm pulling for you guys. Obviously, whenever the doc goes into the black, your boy's happy. Plus, you need those New England points. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) We'll we'll all celebrate when Zeke hits pay dirt. We will scoot ahead to our third and last game this week. Grant's Seattle Seahawks taking on the New York Giants. Seahawks are 2-1. Giants are 1-2. Grant, I'll let you kick this one off. What are you expecting? Unless the line has changed... I, I looked at this and said to myself, Vegas, you tricky bastards. And I'm not talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, because why the fuck would I ever want to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders? Um, serially uninteresting. The New York football giants are still sitting at a minus one and a half uh, to win this game at home. Now, we are talking about the Giants, uh, who are absolutely pummeled by the Dallas Cowboys and uh, sufficiently stomped out by the 49ers and needed to make a dazzling second half comeback to beat the Arizona Cardinals. The Giants are one and two. The Hawks are two and one. The Hawks lost to the Rams, uh, who I think is a little better than we thought, but then they kind of had a really disappointing game uh, most recently against Cincinnati. But then the Hawks beat Detroit at Detroit, and then they beat the Carolina Panthers in a game that I think looked a little closer than it was, but also kind of had its moments where you're like, "Eh, it could tip here. But as I was watching it live here, as I was thinking, oh, maybe the game could tip to the, toward the Panthers. I kept on just looking at the red rifle playing for uh, the Panthers and going, I think we should probably be okay. So the reason I just think this is tricky is because I, I think I see what Vegas is considering here is that they probably think everybody's going to look at the records and they're going to say, oh, okay, yeah, easy. The Hawks should win this at plus one and a half. They're a better team. They should win. Uh, but then also, as I try to psychoanalyze the Sharps and the, and the and the line makers, perhaps they are doing that thing that you pointed out, AG, where they're like, a lot of people in New York, a lot of dudes wearing Giants Phil Simms jerseys named Carmen just smashing bets on <laughs> the New York Giants. So I'll, I'll stop trying to psychoanalyze uh, and try to think about what's going to happen on the field. The bad news the Seahawks are, have allowed the second most passing yards in the league this season. The good news, Daniel Jones can't really throw the ball. So I'm not super worried about that. But maybe they make him look good. I don't know. It's on the board. Now the Giants, they are calling Saquon Barkley day-to-day with his high ankle sprain. I and mean, it looks like he might try to play. He suffered an injury in that comeback against the Cardinals, but he sat out against the 49ers in that ass-whooping that they took. But the Giants are also getting pretty much the entire left side of their offensive lineback. Left tackle Andrew Thomas, he was the fourth pick of the 2020 draft. He's coming back. He's returning from a hamstring injury. And left guard Ben Bredesen, he's likely to be cleared uh, after uh, being in the concussion protocol. So how much is that going to matter? I don't know because I just don't trust Daniel Jones. So if he is not posing virtually any threat in the passing game and – you have a kind of a dinged up cast of characters in the running attack for the Giants. How's that going to look, look against the Seahawks rush defense, which has allowed 2.9 yards per attempt, which is good for third in the league. So I got to ask you guys again, am I being a square betting homer here? I think it's probably possible, 
but I don't like the Daniel Jones hype. I don't get it. I think he's mediocre at best. I think anytime Brian Dable tries to take the take the training wheels off of old Danny Dimes, he seems primed to give the ball away. So I think the Hawks are going to win, but I want to, and now I, I really need the the sharp mind on this and, and kind of the, the collective energy of the group here. I found a nice prop on FanDuel. The Seahawks winning by a margin somewhere between 1 and 13 is sitting at plus 145. I will say you'd be really annoyed if they won by 14 (laughs) and you lost. That's true. When you could have just bet them money line (laughs) and gotten, what, plus one right around even? Right. That's a good point. Looks looks like plus 102. Yeah. So, So it's one of those where it's just like I hear the logic of like, oh, there's no way that they win by two touchdowns, but I also think they're going to win. A bet like that that pigeonholes you into a window, I would want there to be a higher upside for having something that you think is so specific, unless it was that you wanted to water down, like, hey, I I, I feel so confident that instead of me wanting to do like a full unit or a double unit on the money line, I'm going to, this is how I'm going to put a little bit less equity in to get the equal equity out of maybe kind of splitting it into two parts of full money line and then a little sprinkle to up the juice in your favor because you don't see it happening by more than 13. So that's how I approach it. It's not binary. Definitely book your win. Always book your win if you feel really confident about something. And then like your sizing, I think, is how I approach the the 1 to 13 window. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's the right way to look at it. I kind of like the plus 145. It feels significant enough off the plus 102. And that's pretty reasonable between 1 and 13. This, the the Hawks, two wins a season, six-pointer over Detroit, 10-point over Carolina. Watching the Seattle game last week, they've put up 37 points in two straight games, so that's not nothing. But um, defensively, I thought they looked a little slow. I think they were kind of in the right spots most of the time. But one-on-one, it seemed like they just kept getting beat. Even Andy yeah. Dalton split like two guys on, on one like weird scram on a big third and two. Not a great look. Right. Um, so thinking about Seattle taking this show on the road, you know, Manhattan, you know, maybe a night out or two at the meatpacking district, little Soho house. I don't know. Maybe we might see a Seahawks team that, that looks a little, you know, out of rhythm, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, AG, you called out last week, you know, Cincy and whether or not they'd be able to stop, you know, Stafford keying in on Puku, you know, since we thought that might be the guy that he locked in on. And Danny Dimes might have that same kind of dynamic with Darren Waller. Daniel Jones is most dangerous when he's got nobody to throw to and he can run because the dude actually can run. Like, I mean, you got to give him props. He's, he's super dangerous in that, in that instance. But if you're Seattle, if you could sort of like throw, you know, some extra bodies at Darren Waller and then also keep Danny dimes in the pocket, it's almost like the giants have nothing else to go to. So that could potentially put your one to 13 at risk. I think my convergence theory here looks at a two and one Hawks team and a one and two giants team. And I just Mm -hmm. wonder if, Come Tuesday morning, everybody's sitting at two and two, eating orange slices, you know, just happy to be there kind of thing. The under is 47 and a half. I had an eye on that one as we talk through maybe Seattle with a little bit of a New York hangover and the Giants maybe being very prone to being able to sh- to being shut down by the right game plan. Yeah, there's a couple other pieces I want to throw in here, too. You have the Giants coming off Thursday night, so they got a 10 day kind of like rest and recover and looking at film. Mm. But you also have Geno Smith's return to New York. Mm. And there's a lot of press about failed Jets quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. And Geno's look great. Geno's looked like a top six, top seven quarterback for the last two years. I kind of expected him to fall off a little bit. And he is doing his thing. The receivers are, are playing ball. Kenneth Walker looks good. And like in a pick game, I'm always betting that the best quarterback. And so I, I think I can pretty easily be talked into to the Seahawks here just because I think that they've got more professionals on their team. And a Pete Carroll defense, I think, actually stacks up really well against this style Giants offense. He loves his fast linebackers. He's the originator of the spy linebacker on the quarterback that's kind of keeping him in check. And I think those free safeties are going to creep because I think to your point, Darren Waller is the most scary player And like outside of Saquon, who is definitely not going to be jumping over people with a loose ankle. So I, 
I like the Hawks in this one. The one thing that I'll throw out there that kind of leads me into prop land is, is more about kind of timing rather than end result. The Giants have started every game really slow. Mm. Now they have 10 days rest. So I expect them to, to come in a little bit better, but like we often find that the home team doesn't get the ball first in, in a lot of NFL games. And this game, I think is going to be a little bit slower to start. You've got the Seahawks first quarter, Money line minus 102. You've got the Seahawks half first half money line minus 108. Is this a game where if the Giants win the game, do they come out, get a lead, and the Seahawks have to come back like they did against Carolina? Or was the reason that Carolina stayed in that game is because the Seahawks were already looking forward to New York? So I kind of pose that to you guys and see how you think about that and where that takes you. Kind of interesting that the Hawks are first quarter halftime favorites and then the money line dog in the game. That seems a little a bit weird. And you brought up Saquon. The time to catch Saquon is coming off an injury because it seems like he's always playing at his best when he's super fresh, like the first week of the season or, you know, just after a bye week or something and he had he's had time to heal. So kind of like banged up Saquon is he's definitely nowhere near his best. So I wouldn't be too worried about him. It, it just Total pick them. And I think, you know, Grant, to your earlier point about, you know, maybe some Giants fans banging the number down to one and a half. I think this should have been a pick them game. You know, all things considered, if, you know, gambling were legal in all 50 states, I think we might see something closer to that. If the laws weren't stupid here in Washington, I had to be on site at a casino to use an app. But, you know, I digress. You get to play. That is true. To play. <laughs> that is true. I'll count I have my to drive. Place. I've got to drive two hours to go play. Oof. Okay, so I appreciate you, gentlemen, because I am I'm gonna stay away. It sounded square. I needed to confirm that the one to thirteen window was in fact square, and at least and you know you gave me the the knowledge of I could use it to try to like extract a little more value or like protect myself or whatever. But I'm just gonna go Hawks money line plus one hundred two. I think they're gonna win the game, like you said, AG. I think they just have better players. Uh, more pros. They have a better quarterback. Love the Geno revenge game angle. They wrote him off in New York, but he ain't right back. So let's let's go. Love it. Yeah, and I'm taking the under. I'm going to put a half unit on the under 47 and a half. I think this one's a, a slow go to some of the points that you guys brought up, AGU in particular. AG, what are you taking in this one? I think I'm riding with the Hawks on this one. I, I wanted to pose to see the the first half, the first quarter steps, see what you all thought, but I kind of realized as I was going through it that the Giants are they're gonna have a really clean 15 plays scripted coming on the long break. And yeah. so I, I think we go the whole distance and I like full unit on on the Hawks to get their first big road win. Awesome. So that leads us to our final segment, AG's deep props. So for the audience, this is any game on the docket, any prop that you can find on the internet, even if you've got to make your way to some shady casinos across across state borders. To get something, if you can get, take a picture of it, it, it can make it on the show. What have you got for us this week? So thinking of Shady and Revenge, I think that we go over to London and Calvin Ridley gets in the end zone against his former team, the Atlanta Falcons, mm. plus 125. He didn't score last week. He's the red zone target. He's clicking with, with Trevor Lawrence when they're on. And I don't think that he's going to be the guy that they're locking down. I think that the, the matchups, there, there's enough wide receiver depth for the Jags that I think it's one of those that I start riding. Calvin Ridley's the next person I invest in to, to get touchdowns. And mm -hmm. so I, I think that revenge definitely pops up here at the night. If you're looking for something to, to cheer for in that 930 game over in London. That's anytime touchdown? Anytime touchdown, Ridley plus 125. And uh, if you're feeling really zealous, London legend Kyle Pitts plus 300. If you want something a little bit juicier, a third of all his career touchdowns have happened across the pond. <laughs> and uh, I don't love that one as much. I definitely think that is a kind of special time, special place. Like I, w I wouldn't be riding Kyle Pitts every week. The that's just if you want to do a little, a little sprinkle on something, something magic that has some good juice. Kyle Pitts anytime is, is also a plus 300 for that for that London game. Kyle Pitts to Tottenham. Book it right now. <laughs> Calvin Ridley's booking it right now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's, he's got some different access out there. I like the Ridley bet. Oh, yeah. 125. I think that's a half unit for me because I can see him 
cranking it up a little bit. And he's just so effective down there. And we haven't gotten the Trevor Lawrence game. Mm-hmm. You know, so this might be a little bit of a showing out um, for for our guy Trevor. I'm going to go half unit on that. Yeah, sign me up for that one, half unit as well. Sweet. That's that's what I'm thinking as a half unit on that one. The other yeah. direction I wanted to take you guys is now we have three weeks of data looking at some teams, and there are some futures. And I know you guys made some futures before the season, and I want to bring some numbers and some teams just to make the playoffs to your attention. But I've got four teams here that I'll go from worst odds to best odds. This is the time of year where I think that some of these do they make the playoff props can have some really interesting value. Let's go. At minus 134, how do we feel about Joe Burrow and the Bengals making the playoffs? Oof. Minus 134. I mean, their defense looked really good. We were expecting a lot more from the Rams. And um, I feel a little bit vindicated with my take last week about sort of convenient timing about all this Burrow calf talk, you know, Nailed when they were it. 0-2 and a lot less bro calf talk this week <laughs> this week after they won. I mean, they should absolutely make the playoffs, but minus 134, that's not nothing. I think that's a stay away for me. I don't know. It's a, too, too much AFC is a little a little too wacky at the moment for me to get total read on on the conference and yeah. the Bengals as a team. Kenny Pickett looks better. Tomlin's a better coach. John Harbaugh's a better coach. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm a little concerned. And I mean, bro, he looked fine, but he still looked kind of hurt out there. Like he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't Good running around. Right. Yeah, but I mean, you were you were totally right. It, it clearly was over. He was always going to play. You nailed it, and that's why I am in my my downstairs office talking about this. Like, no, don't play, Joe. You're going to get hurt, and the, and all those guys are fucking <laughs> crashing into each other. So uh, yeah, shout to you for that. But yeah, I. I I don't know. I'm still worried about the Bengals. Fair enough. The line will be there again next week. Let's keep learning more. Let's <laughs> go. Um, the next team at minus 110, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to make the playoffs. This I like. I mean, I'm just so in the tank for Trevor Lawrence. I just think he's – I don't know, man. I, I try not to get too mesmerized, but he's 6'6". He can run. He can make every throw. He's a smart guy. You know, the pedigree – uh, yeah, sure. Uh, like the the whole pedigree is there. Looks like sunshine. The the whole the whole thing. I just I can't believe that he's gonna be. And he hasn't looked terrible. I don't think he's the been the problem for the Jaguars. But like, they gotta be better than every other team in the in in the South. Now C.J. Stroud looks but, awesome, but how long is that gonna last? I was gonna ask about that. You know, when we did our. Uh preseason division winner you know i kind of threw the texans out as like a wacky one i think they were in the 12 plus 1200 plus 1400 range yeah it seemed ridiculous at the time but yeah cj stroud looks absolutely legit yep i don't know if they've got so does richardson he's just yeah they're gonna they're gonna give him they're gonna give him gloves i will say this division is looking way more challenging but at basically even money are we getting a little bit of early season overcorrection? Classic, oh, we don't have any film on these guys. Wait till week six when we have all the film of all their tricks and a couple of people get banged up and these rosters that don't have the same depth as some of these more mature franchises. You have your classic like, oh, we were yeah. two and three and then we finished five and 12. Yeah. And you think about the Jaguars, they started relatively slowly last year and then came on like gangbusters late. Hmm. Good coach, good quarterback. Yep. I mean, I have a sprinkle on Lawrence to win the MVP. Just so you know, full disclosure, AG, how in the tank I am for Lawrence. Like, I, I think oh, he'll be I've, one of the best I've players. I've heard. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think he'll be one of the best players in the league in, like, you know, the next two years, two, three years. So, yeah, man. I mean, uh, why not? I, I trust him. Uh, so, yeah, let me let me go in on that one. I'm going to put a unit on the, the Jaguars to make a playoffs. Ooh, nice. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the train with you as well. I I thought the Jaguars were a lock of locks to make the playoffs, even with an injury. I think that they like I, they could they could still like come in as a wild card just yeah. because of their strength of schedule. So I I like that. Going to Team Three, we're now getting positive juice. Plus one twenty eight, your Seattle Seahawks to make the playoffs. Ooh, so we got them early. I took a swing for them to win the division, be and I 
was like, no, yeah, Shanahan can't keep getting away with this with these undersized quarterbacks and all that stuff. He will. It, it, it would appear that he will continue <laughs> to get away with it. Um, <laughs> forgot about how awesome Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. That line is. That offensive line is just. Do they have like one of the best five players in the league per position group? Like yes. they're, yeah, like running back McCaffrey, Samuel and Ayuk. Uh, tight end Kittle, Kittle. Williams at tackle. Yes. Everywhere. And then on the defensive line and at linebacker, Fred Warner, it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. These guys are so stacked. So, but to make the playoffs, I like the positive juice for the Hawks. What do you say? Plus 128? Plus 128 just to get in the playoffs. It feels like a sprinkle for me. Give me a half unit on that. Let me throw out some of the teams that are going to be in that mix. Let's let's say that they're going to be in the wildcard mix. Mm -hmm. So let's say the Eagles win East. You've got the Cowboys, Commander sitting at two and one. They're probably not going to last. Yeah. You've got the Rams in your own division. They're one and two, so they're a game back. You've got Detroit in the north and the Packers. So one of those two might be in that wild card mix. And then in the south, you've got three teams at two and one: Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers. So I think it's pretty soft there. You know, in that wild card mix, you can see one of those teams kind of ascending, but there's no real scary ones out there. Outside of maybe Dallas at two and one, everybody else is very gettable. Yeah, I'd say the teams that I'm locking into the playoffs right now are Dallas, Philly, and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one team from the NFC South gets there. Yeah, I, I I think the we'll see what happens with Carr. We'll see what happens with Baker. We'll see what happens with Ritter. They're overachieving at their best abilities, and nobody like the one player that's jumped off the page so far is Jordan Love. I think the right. Packers look. Like the fact that the Vikings are are zero and three, and Jordan Love looks like a borderline top ten quarterback, mm-hmm. is just a Viking nightmare. Mm-hmm. The Rams have a lot of injury concerns. I did the math on like what what am I missing about that Rams after we missed last week? The offensive line. It's the offensive line. Oh my is, god! Yeah is just like, that's what I forgot. Matt Stafford is playing for the 2019 Lions again. He's got some talented guys around him, but if he's not out in two and a half seconds, he's getting hit. So, and Gino's playing like a top five quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I don't hate it. I, I'm probably there where I'm doing a sprinkle. I'm not going, I'll know a lot more after this Giants game. Yeah. But I think I want to book, I think I want to book a little bit of equity in, in case they beat the Giants. If they don't beat the Giants, then it, like if they're sitting at three and one, quarter of the way through the season, it kind of looks like a playoff team. For sure. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. The last one I think I'm the most juicy about. At plus 136, you've got your Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, plus boy. Hmm. From our boy that's... He's throwing it. He is. One and two. Started awful. Tough schedule. Schedule's only going to get easier. Obviously, the Chiefs look like the front runner to win that division, but... A couple of those other AFC divisions are looking a little weaker than we thought. The Browns and the Ravens are looking a less intimidating than than we kind of expected. The Bengals are looking less intimidating than we expected. Are two teams getting out of the AFC South? Doubtful. They just get automatic wins versus the Broncos and the Raiders. Hmm. So kind of yeah, zooming out. Like who who are the seven teams better than the Chargers? It's assuming they go two and two this week. I always look at the three three wild card spots. And I think it's got it's Dolphins, Bills, who's ever who is ever on the short end to stick with that one, and yep. then it's probably looking at the North, where you've got Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Bengals. Yep. So you could see it's tough to see. I think that's what makes it tough. Is like so the Chargers would have to leapfrog either Buffalo or two of those North teams, and that's assuming they finish second, and that nobody in the South like really gets cooking. I think that North gets bloody though. And they start doing one-on-one home and aways. And yep. I think that could be like everyone's between nine and eight and 11 and six. And then the Chargers just sneak in there at 10 and 10 and seven. And their defense has to get better, right? Like, I, it's like a math problem. It's like, wait, you have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and you're not killing every quarterback? Like, what's, what's happening? And James. And yeah. what the hell? So I, you got to think they might, they should get better on defense. Is there a coach firing bump on the horizon too? I mean, I feel like if they, if they lose that game to Minnesota, Staley's out that night. Kellen Moore, a Kellen Moore led Mm -hmm. 
Chargers team, I actually have always liked Kellen Moore, and I find that pretty juicy. So I don't, I don't hate that. My issue is the ownership is too cheap to fire a coach midseason and keep paying him. So, mm. but again, I totally see them having a disappointing season where they finish as the sixth seed. It's hard for me to imagine them finishing nine and eight with that much talent. Also, Eckler is going to come back soon. Right. All right. Well, you talked me into it. I'll do a little half uh, half unit on that as well. You said that was plus 136? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I think I'm in for a unit on that one. Nice. What was the Seahawks to make the playoffs numbers and then units? Plus 128. And I'm in for a half. Same here. To, to buy a little bit of equity. I'm going to actually join you on that one. I can't be a big coward and say no to all four. I think Seahawks <laughs> was my favorite of the bunch. Uh, so that half unit is through a close time. Awesome. Any other deep props? No, a lot of the props don't aren't coming out because of injury reports. So uh, maybe maybe some people can follow along on uh, on on Twitter or something, and we'll throw something in on uh, on Saturday. And I didn't want to bore everyone with my awesome let's cheer for punts every single week. So uh, <laughs> shit cash though. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight minute abs. It's boring. Boring pays. I love it. So with that said, let's hit the recap. I am taking the Miami Dolphins plus three full unit. I'm also taking the half unit on the Dolphins money line plus 128. AG is joining me on that one, half unit. I am also going a half unit parlay Dolphins money line plus the over 53 and a half. That one clocks in at plus 305. Dolly. (laughs) Grant, you've got the Bills minus two and a half. And you guys are both putting a full unit on Josh Allen to throw an interception minus 120. Pat's Cowboys. I am taking a plus 237 parlay of the under 43 and a half plus the Pats plus six and a half quarter unit for me. I'm also doing a full unit on the Pats plus six and a half. Grant, you are taking the other side of that one as well. Cowboys minus six and a half. I'm guessing full unit there. Yes, sir. Nice. AG, both you and I are taking Brandon Aubrey over one and a half field goals minus 110. And you guys are both taking Zeke Elliott, anytime touchdown score, plus 260. A couple of chupacabras on the board. Let me in on that uh, on that uh, field goal over. I-, I love that. Let's go. Last game on the list, Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. I am taking half unit on the under, 47 and a half here. And both Grant and AG are putting a full unit on the Hawks money line, plus 102. And some extra props. Calvin Ridley to score anytime touchdown plus 125. That's the London game. That's a half unit. Three-way cosine. Both Grant and AG are putting another full unit on the Jags to make the playoffs minus 110. All three of us are taking Seattle Seahawks to make the playoffs plus 128. Half a unit there. And there's a Chargers to make the playoffs at plus 136. Half unit for Grant. Full unit for AG. Let me know if I missed anything, guys. I just thought of one other ones I wanted to throw in here. Yes. Let's go. Rookie of the year. There's a lot of interesting things you could go here. Bijan is plus 300 at rookie of the year. CJ Stroud is plus 300 rookie of the year. I view this one as a hedge opportunity. I actually think I go two full units on both of them because I think one of those guys is rookie. It's the best rookie quarterback and the best rookie position player. It's hard for me to imagine the usage and just something dramatic changes for both of them. But I would love your guys' hot take on the fly. Do you have the numbers up? I'd be interested just to take a peek at Puku and then our guy A. Rich for the Colts. Oh, it's even juicier than I thought. Bijan and Stroud plus 350. Mm. Richardson plus 550. Puka plus 750. If you wanted to take a flyer, the flyer I love here is Addison plus 1,500. Man, I like what you're talking about. Like, C.J. Stroud looks like the best rookie. I mean, it's pretty clearly the best rookie quarterback. I love Richardson's upside. The fact that he already got dinged up is tricky. Stroud yeah. gets a lot of games against uh, – gets a couple games against um, those kind of softer South teams. And then the AFC South also plays the NFC South, so he gets to play against some of those teams. I realize a lot of these these points stand for the Colts as well, but well, and also for the Falcons. Yeah, ooh, yeah, and and Bijan Robinson, it couldn't couldn't be higher on him. He was a monster in college. He's very clearly going to be the one of the best. He's somehow backs better than advertised. <laughs> yeah, he's somehow better than advertised. Yeah, I, I'm in on those two for sure. So there's a couple. Fun kind of game theory type things here. 
Mm-hmm. One is thinking about who do we think of those teams makes the playoffs? Because I think that catapults yeah. any of those teams. If the Falcons make it, the Colts make it, Texans. If any of those teams are in the playoffs or even in the, like a very, very late, late playoff mix, playing very important games and, you know, into December, that's going to definitely make a difference. So I want to take that into consideration. And I think you might be able to talk yourself into maybe Richardson coming with some extra value because like you said, he's dinged up. This went from a three horse race to a two horse race. And maybe you can get that third horse who should be in that plus 350 range um, at a little bit of a discount. I think Stroud is the best position to win. He clearly looks like an NFL quarterback. And if they continue to expand the playbook for him and like if he stays on the same trajectory, he's going to win. But obviously a lot of stuff can happen and it's so, so early in the season. So that's kind of like the viewpoints that I'm bringing into it. The thing that I'll add to that, I think it's super fair. I think it, I think the quarter it, we have classic quarterback versus running back and quarterback traditionally wins these these awards reason and i've i've never had one of these where i was like i'm gonna ride two horses but this one it's because i think the quarterback gets valued higher but Bijan is one of the most popular names in media and if the and you you're to your point who makes the playoffs the falcons are a pick to make the playoffs in the nfc north and it is Bijan's team not the quarterback's team Mm, for sure and it's going to have that national media attention of like on the even in a double back system it's going to be like oh they drafted the running back at eight and they made the playoffs and they had a run and they built the whole offense around them and Ritter has looks like a game manager that's just feeding Bijan and he has this highlight reel highlight reel highlight reel every other week there's just something that makes it look like wow this is we're watching something special which I think is going to be a really hard narrative for CJ Stroud to compete with because also rookie of the year is a little bit of a hype award. It's the NFL selling merch and marketing and trying to create this new wave of talent and generation to come. At this point, I think I place a little, a little, a little bit on both of them. The cool thing about these awards is so many people set these and forget them. We can like set a reminder and say, Hey, three weeks from now, what did we learn? What are the numbers? I mean, I mean, give me a unit on CJ Stroud, proud Buckeye, mm-hmm. and uh, a unit on on Bijan as well, because I think he's the best overall player as a rookie. I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna do half a unit on CJ Stroud because that's my pick, and half a unit on Richardson because I think that's where some extra value lies. That one's plus five fifty. Plus five fifty. Nice. Um, so are you making you're taking CJ and Bijan at this point? AJ. At this point, I'm taking CJ and Bijan. Were you double were you double unit on both those? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Big boy double unit. Love I it. Love I, I just think I just feel at this point in the season, I can always correct. I've got all season to correct. At this point in the season, I think one of those guys is winning and I'm getting plus plus equity if I'm right. I love it. That's the the spot to be in at this point. So I like staking out that that land. I think we did it. This has been another episode of the Tasty Pets Pod. Follow at Tasty Pets Pod on X, Threads, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to Tasty Pets Pod on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to watch or listen. And remember to always bet responsibly. Big thank you to my co-host. Big thanks to AG for hanging out with us this week again. Best of luck this weekend, boys. Best of luck, gentlemen. Just remember, live by the words of Pitbull, Mr. 305. Every day above ground is a great day. Dolly. <laughs>